Good morning, church. I hope and pray that you had a special time yesterday celebrating Christmas. I know for some of you, uh, it is continuing. Uh, you may have a few more things to, to head towards. Uh, so whether you're done celebrating or continuing celebrating, I'm going to encourage you all to keep celebrating. We are celebrating the fact that there's a God who loves us. He came to rescue us, to give us an eternal hope. And with that hope, we want to live a life that is righteous and uh, really pursuing this holy God. And, and so uh, just keep the celebration going. Permission granted. Some of you are like, no, I'm tired. <laughs> That's okay. We're going to, uh, hopefully, as you've uh, enjoyed our time uh, working through our, our sermon series, we've been trying to prepare this church reading through Luke chapter 24. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke, the book of Luke, and then the book Prepare Him Room, and then It's a Wonderful Life sermon series. Through all of that, I've had really a central message just trying to help us stay focused on what God has done in rescuing us and what he wants to do through us right now and his power and who God is. And we're going to continue that, but I, I needed to make one change because I'm such a, a, a Christmas fanatic. I love this time of the year, and, and I love the snow, and we didn't get it, so I... Needed to make a change, make it look more realistic for us. The mountains in the back, that's just my hope right there, right? Uh, but without the snow, that's sort of the way it is. But the whole focus on this wonderful life is based off of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And if you remember that scripture, not all of it's up there, but the portion that we've covered so far, uh, how the Holy Spirit is producing in us this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and and it's always one thing over the other. You know, resentment in our life, well, God has given us his love. So we can fight on, take on that resentment and so forth and so on. As you go through that list, you see. But what I love about this is that as we are learning about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's producing in us, really those things that he's producing, that is God. That's the power of heaven. I mean, God is love, and he's given us his spirit, which is love. So really, God is reproducing himself in us, that love and that joy and that peace. And so as you look through this scripture, hopefully you're discovering not just what God wants to do in you, but who God is. Oh, and that, that could be opening up a whole can of worms, right? Who is God? What are his attributes? What is God like? That could be very challenging, right? Attempting to understand God is difficult because there's nobody like him. And there's a book written by Matthew Barrett called None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. And what he did in his book, he, he sort of used this illustration of pie. And he said, because he had this, this love for Dutch apple pie. And he said, the pie is one pie in itself. But to eat that pie, you have to slice it up. And that's sometimes what we do with God. We sort of slice God up and say, well, he is all-powerful and he's, well, he's all-knowing and he's love. And, and we, we slice him up. But the question is then, which one is better? Which one's bigger? Because we know not all pieces of pie are sliced equally, especially peanut butter pie. Is, which is why we're not talking about self-control. Again, I'm pushing that one off another way. Uh, uh, peanut butter pie showed up at our house yesterday, uh, thanks to my daughter-in-law. And so it looks like um, we'll talk about self-control next week. So anyway, but here's the quote by Matthew Barrett in his book. He said this, The perfections of God are not like a pie, as if we slice up the pie into different pieces. Love being 10%, holiness 15%, omnipotence 7%, and so on. Unfortunately, this is how many Christians talk about God today. 
So even go further, believing some attributes to be more important than others. And I was thinking about that quote and thinking about who God is because when we're learning about the Holy Spirit's work in us, we're learning about God. And which one's more important? I mean, hey, how about which one of those? Love, joy, peace, patience, which one's greater? Which one do you want more? Do you ever sit around in like in a small group Bible study and say, which fruit of the Spirit best describes you? And it's like, we've got them all. And we're like, well, I like this one over that one. And really, we should desire all of them and, and the same amount of all of them. But it's so hard to describe, right? Because God is one and his attributes are many. But they're identical in power. So, I mean, how do you describe God and, and, and this? So I came up with another thought, being Christmas time. And really like Christmas lights, the multicolor lights. See, they're all plugged into one power source, one, one wire, one strip that's plugged in. And that's sort of the way God is our, our all power source. And every light is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? Self-control, those, they're all up there. And here's the thing which you know about Christmas lights is, is when the ball burns out, when one goes out, it's not that it's lost power. Right? I mean, God is still, is, the power source is still there. Just because I'm lacking love doesn't mean that God's not working in me. It's like somewhere I became disconnected in my love of who God is. And, and we all know this about Christmas lights too. It's like when one bulb goes out, what happens? Usually part of the strand goes out. Two or three other bulbs go out, right? And I know this, is when I'm lacking the love of God, I'm probably not very patient. And then uh, when I'm lacking joy, then probably losing a little peace in my life too. These things all sort of impact one another. And living this wonderful life full of God's spirit means I've got all these things and I should be lit up like a tree right now when I live for God because the power source really is running through all of us. But really wanted to talk more about self-control today. But then, like I said, we're going through that book, Prepare Him Room. We're reading through the book of Luke. And as I was reading and preparing, I stumbled across some stuff this week that's like, detour. Um, I really want to talk about this, but I'm just going to step off to the side of it a little bit, and I'll hint at it here and there. But I want us to open up our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 22. I want to go through three chapters, 22, 23, and 24. And look at what happened in Jesus' life, because we're here at Christmas and it is a wonderful life that we're able to live through the power of God's Spirit. But here's the thing. Even as awesome as Christmas is, it can get a little messy. And so we can maybe give up on what we've been talking about here and, and what God wants for us. And I, I want to remind you, you know, Christmas, it isn't over. We're, we're still celebrating, right? Because we, we've, like I, I keep, I'm always going to come back to this, because we've been rescued. And we've been given eternal hope. And I just got to keep hammering that in there because it's such good truth, Right? But with that celebration, there, there's always a mess. Okay, So some of you that just had Christmas yesterday or the day before, if, especially if you've got a lot of kids, you looked around the room and there's probably wrapping paper everywhere. And if you've got toys with gadgets uh, or kids with the, the, the gadgets and stuff, things are flying around and making noises. And, and if you had the meal at your house, the kitchen, probably still a mess. There might be the... 
the sink probably still has things. The, the dishwasher might still have things. It, 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 there's, there's stuff all over the place. It's, it can get sort of messy, right? Unfortunately, with that clutter, there's also the emotion too because maybe um, there was some family tension that went on. Oh, and then it's like, how am I going to pay for all these things that I bought for the kids? And there's that financial mess that's going on in your mind as well. And so it, all the hype is over for the holiday, but there's still stuff lingering there. And with all that going on, and you're starting to sit there and think, boy, you know what? We also had so-and-so over, and now they're sick. Oh, no. Am I, gonna... I know there's some people that even didn't, weren't even able to meet with their family because they were sick. And then maybe you got news yesterday or today of, of an unfortunate. I, you know, and I get it. You know, I've got an aunt on one side of the family. The hospice was, hospice was called. And I've got an uncle on the other side of the family. Hospice was called. And so it's like, there's still stuff going on, right? And oh, it's Christmas. It's a wonderful life. And, but it still could be messy. And I want to address that today. I mean, it is, seriously, this, this uh, sermon really comes down uh, into to four simple words. It'll be okay. Matter of fact, just what I'm going to do. We have not done this in two years. Look at the person next to you and tell them it will be okay. Go for it. I want to see if this works. Some of you are like, I've never been to this church before, and what are we doing? We used to do this all the time. Just anybody can testify to that fact that, hey, look at the person next to you and say this. Look at the person next to you. I've not done that in two years because, you know, like, look at the person next to you and say, don't get COVID. And so, we, I mean, that's, that's, we didn't want that, right? So it's like, okay, let's, let's we, we need to encourage each other, don't we? So we're going to do this one more time. And if you have nobody sitting next to you, look to the row behind you, in front of you, whichever direction you need to look, and tell them one more time, it will be okay. Go for it. Yes. All right, everybody got that? Good. Because here's the thing. The tree needles are still going to fall, and the lights are going to come down. Darkness is going to dominate again. And that, that downer feeling of the holidays is over is going to happen. And you need to hear it right now. It will be okay. It will be okay. Luke chapter 22, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look into the life of one disciple. And we're going to follow his life for one day. Because you think your day is rough, just wait till you check this, this one out, okay? So look at Luke chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 10. And it says this. And he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, and this is Jesus talking to, to Peter and John. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Verse 12 goes on and say, he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That's where you should prepare our meal. So Peter and John are like, all right. Verse 13. They went off to the city and they found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now don't read over... When you read scripture, really stop and pause, look, let it soak in. Think about what just took place here. Oh, you're going to go over to Archibald. When you get to Archibald, there's going to be a lady with a yellow purse. She's going to take you upstairs to another room, and the room's going to be set up just perfectly for your little family get-together. And there's going to be little things on the centerpieces that just what you wanted. Really? How does that happen? How did you know that you would tell me to do that, and I would go there, and it would be just like you said? That stuff never happens, unless you're with Jesus. And Jesus basically told you everything that's going to happen. This is like a wow moment for Peter, right? I mean, how does he know? Well, because he is the God of what? Today, yesterday, oh, and tomorrow. He's the same God. And he knows these things. 
verses 23 and 24. They're up in the upper room now. And Jesus, you know, the feet get washed and they're hanging out. And Jesus, oh, by the way, one of you is going to betray me. Ooh, that's disgusting for a disciple to sit there and think, who would betray Jesus, right? We read in verses 23 and 24 that the disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Are you going to betray Jesus? I don't know, are you going to betray Jesus? Now look what the very next sentence says. Then they began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. Are you going to just... You, it's going to be you. You're going to betray Jesus? I'm not going to betray I'm the greatest. You're the, I'm the greatest. It went from disgust and, and frustration with each other to what? Pride. Wow, big pendulum swing there. Jesus quickly reminds them, hey, guys, guys, it's not about being served. It's about serving others. And he has a few more discussion with them. But then we look at verses 31 and 32. Jesus pulls Peter aside and says this, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Jesus, like the enemy, the devil's like talking to Jesus like, hey, I want these guys. And Jesus like, you can't have them. He comes to Jesus, right? He goes, I want to sift these guys like wheat. I'm going to weed them out. I'm going to knock them all over. And Jesus says this to Peter, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus reminds Peter, the enemy is going to attack. He's coming. He's coming right at you. And listen, Peter, I want to let you know this. I'm praying for you right now, Peter. I'm praying for you so that when you do fall, because you're going to, Peter, you're human. Did did we miss that part? Um, That your faith should not fail. So when, oh, there it is. So Jesus like, so when you fail and when you repent, Jesus knew he was going to blow it, but Jesus knew he would repent. He says, get back up and go and strengthen your brothers. Mm. They leave the upper room. They're going to go off to the garden and, and, and pray now. And, and the thing about this is, is that um, when Jesus would pray, a lot of times he would pray by himself. But this time he invites the disciples with him. Why don't you guys go with me to the Mount of Olives? We're going to pray together. And then he goes in a little bit further and grabs a couple of the disciples and pulls them, Peter being one of them, in a little bit further in. So there's a little bit of intimacy here as Jesus says, we're going to have this little prayer time. Then Jesus then prays by himself. But he invites the disciples in to be a little bit more intimate with him in prayer. Judas betrays Jesus. The guards come to arrest Jesus. Check out what happens next in verse 49. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, that was Jesus was going to be arrested and tied up. They exclaimed, hey, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. And Jesus said, no more of this. Then he touched the man's ear and healed him. It's like, hey, Jesus, we got our swords. Should we use them? Should we use them? You just did, Peter. I mean, come on. Some of you understand this. It's like maybe your spouse says, hey, um, we're going to go to such and such place. I already told them we're coming. Is that okay? Yes, because you already told them and, and I can't go back on that. Right? And so that's, that's one of these moments where they're like, well, it looks like we're already doing it, right? You've already swung that sword, Peter. So I, I yeah, come on. Right? So this is Peter's life, right? With all that being said, let's rewind back now to the beginning of the day. I'll put up on the scripture the verses and the emotions and sort of talk you through it once more. 
It starts off the day with Peter saying, I get to serve my Savior. I'm going to go and prepare a room for the Passover. And then he has that wow moment as everything is laid out just as Jesus said. Before they get there, it's like, it's just like Jesus said. Just, just exactly like Jesus said. Wow. He's so good, right? And then he shares in the Last Supper. He participates in the new covenant with Jesus. You know, that's, that's such devotion, right? He's the, the wine, the, the bread, everything's being passed. Peter hears this announcement then that somebody's going to betray Jesus. Disgust. Anger. And then it's, who's the greatest? Oh, here comes the pride. And then Jesus pulls Peter aside to personally pray with him. And I would call that love, right? Jesus pulls you aside and said, Peter, I just want to let you I'm praying for you. Man, that's got to feel good. Verses 39, 46, Jesus again takes them off to, to pray. He invites Peter and a few others to go further into the garden. There's some intimacy taking place there. Peter falls asleep while they're praying. Now, nobody in here understands that one, right? Because you were all fervent prayers. I mean, you're like, you pray all the way through. I'm sure nobody's ever like, oh, um, amen. Um, we've all done it, right? Peter falls asleep. He's exhausted. It's been a long day. Look at everything he's done before. And then he cuts off the high priest's uh, slave's ear, pulled out the sword, right? So he's got some anger and fear in him and some fight in him. Oh, and by the way, then all the disciples ran and deserted Jesus. Fear. But then he followed from a distance, curiosity, to see what was going to happen. And he gets around the fire and he's hanging out and then he denies Jesus three times. That's weakness. And then Peter leaves the courtyard defeated and crying bitterly. That's shame and guilt. Look at the screen. See all those emotions? That's all in one day. That's all in one day. You want to talk? That's like, to me, that's like Christmas. And the setup, the, 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 the gatherings, the emotions, the family, the food. The, there's so much that goes on throughout the day. It's all over the place, right? And at the end of the day, I think, what just happened today? This is a long day for, for Peter. And with all that being said, all I can say is this, Peter, you'll be okay. It will be okay. Do you know why? Because Jesus prayed for Peter. And here's the thing. Jesus just didn't pray for Peter. He prayed for you and I. In the book of John, chapter 17, this is when they were in the upper room, just a different gospel. Jesus said this, I'm praying not only for these disciples, those that were sitting around the table with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You see, the message from the disciples went out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, including us. 2,000 years ago, we have the message, thanks to the disciples, sharing it. We are recipients of God's grace, thankful to faithful servants of God's word. Somebody shared God's word. We have received it. And what does Jesus say about for those of us who have received the message? He was praying for us 2,000 years ago, back in that moment. I'm sure he's been praying every day for us, interceding to the Heavenly Father on our behalf. And here's the thing. When your day gets a little hectic like Peter, you've got a Savior who's praying for you. It's going to be okay. Oh, it might be rough. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know when it's going to be done. But it will be okay. Because that's a promise, I believe, from our Lord. And maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you think, I deserve the pain. I deserve the guilt. I deserve what's come my way because I've made bad choices. I am not worthy to be called a child of God, even though I've prayed that prayer and I've confessed my sins and I'm called a child of God now. I don't don't feel like I'm worthy of it. Look at Scripture with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26 through 28, Paul wrote this. He said, hey, brothers and sisters, 
Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. I love this. Paul's like, hey, a lot of you had nothing. You were weak. You were stupid. But I called you, is what God is saying here. Right? Verse 27. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Few of us had anything special going on in our lives. A lot of us in this room think, I don't have a lot of worth. I don't have a lot of value. And God says, yes, you do. I, I chose you. Look at, look, at the, look at who I have chosen. Look who I have picked. You may feel lost. You may feel abandoned. You may feel not worthy. He picked you. He picked you. And as you read uh, through Scripture, and if you were reading the Advent book this week, Prepare Him Room, there is a, a quote I underlined in the book. I'm going to read this to you. But I love what, what, um, what she wrote here. She said, Ponder the truth that God's power to intervene in my life is greater than the enemy's plot to destroy me. Did you hear that? Ponder the truth that God's power to intervene in my life is greater than the enemy's plot to destroy me. Remember, God is eternal. The devil is a created being. He is not a God. We serve one God, and it's a created being who's trying to really mess things up. And it's not an equal fight. Not at all. The devil's no match. Jesus is king. He's victorious. He's already, he's already defeated Satan. We just keep forgetting that he's powerless around us when we trip it up, right? Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14 say this. Paul says, with that in mind, may you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in an inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Isn't that good news? It, and it's, it's not a feeling. I don't feel like I'm saved. I don't feel like I'm worthy. It's not a feeling. It's truth. It's truth. And the problem is, is that when we read in Scripture, we, we, we hear the mob. We hear the outside voices. And we get caught up in the, the commotion and, and the noise and the emotion. And we forget what is truth. So we're, we were in Luke chapter 22 with Peter, right? Now go to Luke chapter 23. Jesus has been arrested. He's now standing before trial with, with Herod and Pilate and before the religious leaders. And in the midst of Luke chapter 23, you're going to see it says like the voice of the mob is like, I'm going to release Barabbas. I see nothing wrong with this man, Jesus, that you want to crucify. And the mob got loud. They're like, crucify him, kill him. And they just kept getting loud. The opposition to Jesus was incredible. It's incredible today too, by the way. Maybe not as violent, but it's in opposition. The world is always opposing God's way. It says, the voice of the mob that opposed Jesus was described as, in verse 18, a mighty roar, unified in one, continuous, verse 21. It got louder in verse 23, demanding in 23, prevailing. And that's why we cower and quietly back away because the voice is just really loud. The mob is really loud. 
intimidating. Church, don't fear the mob. Our God is bigger, amen? Remember, Jesus allowed all that to happen because something greater was about ready to be accomplished. And again, you might think, I'm not worthy. Why, why would he save me? I'm not worthy to be saved. Well, in this moment, chapter 23, Jesus is then flogged and beaten, and then he's taken to be crucified, put up on the cross. And it looks like the devil has won, but we know he hasn't. But on that cross, Jesus died for you and me. And on that cross, people started to realize he is the Savior. The most probably uh, unthoughtable people, I don't know if that's the right terminology to use there, but maybe somebody's like, they would never give their life to Christ. They would never believe who Jesus is. Believe. Check out what Luke 23, 47 says. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution, this is the guy who's up there saying, nail it down harder. Lift, hoist him up. Don't give him that, right? This is the guy in charge. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what happened at the end of the crucifixion, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. He figured it out. This, this is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Even he changed. God can change anyone. Because of what God has done, he proves it. You're worth it. You're so worth it. Susie Larson continued to say in her book, she said this, God sent Jesus, now he sends you and I. Jesus left the earth so that the Holy Spirit could come and fill us afresh with the very power of heaven. You are called to live a life that goes way beyond your skill, set, passions, experience. The very power that raised Christ from the grave is alive, accessible, and is at work within you. Getting back to what we talked about, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the light bulbs and all that kind of stuff. This is what we're talking about. Why he died on the cross. When he was buried, he then resurrected. You know why he resurrected? You know why he ascended? He had to, so that we could have the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24, we then get into the resurrection. And I love this because, again, we were reminded in our readings that the angels came 2,000 years ago, told Mary, you're going to have a baby. Told Joseph, Mary's going to have a baby. Told the angels, there's a baby that's being born, the Messiah. Today, the Messiah has been born, right? The Messiah, the angels come in and they make all these announcements. Now, at the end of the life of Jesus, the angels are back like, hey, we got another announcement to make. This time, it's the women who are coming to the tomb. And they're like, we got to put on the burial spices. I have no idea how we're going to roll that stone away. Do you? I have no idea. But we just, we just know we need to go. And they go and they showed up. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. And they're like, what happened? Let's read. As they stood there, chapter 24, verse 4. As they stood there, puzzled, two men, angels, suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men said, why are you looking among the dead for somebody who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. The angels, they came, they, they, first of all, they confronted the women and then they comforted the women. They confronted them and they're like, hey, I, I see the tears. I know you're upset. It's going to be okay. Do you remember why? 
because your Savior Jesus told you back in Galilee that this was going to happen. And on the third day, he would rise from the dead. Ta-da, empty tomb. Risen. He's risen. So they got confronted and comforted all at the same time. And what I love this is, how did the angels know? Is the angels like, do you remember what Jesus told you back in Galilee? Were the angels there? Or did God say, hey, when you go to talk to the ladies, can you remind them that back in Galilee, Jesus told his disciples this was going to happen? Again, don't brush over scripture so quick that you forget and miss these tiny little things. It's like very significant. Because to me, that's incredibly significant. Because the angels come back and saying, what I've said is true. God's been watching. Because remember back in Galilee, you guys forgot, but we've been watching. We see it all. God has seen it all. We forget that God sees it all. He's not abandoned us. So these women are told, go. Go tell the good news. Sort of like with the shepherds. Remember the shepherds? After they got done worshiping baby Jesus, now what? Let's go tell everybody. A lot of people won't believe us because we are crazy shepherds. We're uneducated. The lowest of all occupations but we're going to go do what we need to do. And that's to tell everybody about Jesus. Now here are these, these women, the followers of Jesus, possibly the mother of Jesus. And there, what are they going? Boom. Let's go tell the disciples. The followers of Jesus of all people, right? Look what happens, verse 11 of chapter 24. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. These ladies get back. Jesus is alive. Guys, remember back in Galilee when Jesus said, three days, we went there. And they're all like, "Mm, no, we don't believe it. You don't believe it? Well, we do know that Peter and John believed because we knew that they they did leave. And they ran to get to the tomb wondering, is it true? I wonder if this is. I wonder what these ladies are saying is it true. They actually went and checked it out themselves, and it is true. Listen, church, whether you believe it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's truth. Well, I don't believe it's true. That's your opinion. That's fine. Truth. You're not believing that it's true does not make it false. It is true. Sorry, can't change it. With all that in, in, in mind, here's these disciples. Some of them didn't believe truth. And a lot of times we beat ourselves up, right? Because it's like, well, I don't know if I believe that. I have a little doubt in my heart. So did the disciples. But they came around. These women just knew this. I need to go tell somebody. Whether you listen or not, I don't know. I need to go tell somebody. The shepherds, whether you listen or not, I need to go tell somebody. Church right now, whether anybody wants to listen to you or not, we still need to tell people. Because it is truth. Look what happens in chapter 24, verses 49. Jesus then is meeting with all of his disciples and followers and other people. They're all gathered around. And it says this. Jesus says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany. And lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. Uh, This is like the closing moments here when it's like, all right, guys, 
I'm out of here. I'll keep my eye on you. It's going to be okay. Because I'm giving you my spirit. My spirit is me. It is God. God eternal. You know God loves you. You know I love you. I showed you love towards you. It, Jesus, what do you say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now I'm giving you my spirit. I'm going to give you everything you need, not only to survive, but to be victorious. It will be okay. You got a mess in your life? It's okay. I'm not abandoning you. I, I see the mess. I get it. It'll be okay. Then I love this. Jesus ascended out of sight. Boom, he's out of sight. You know what I was thinking about? Probably next couple of days, we'll start tearing down our Christmas decorations. And we will take our nativity scene. We'll take Mary and Joseph in the stable, and we'll take baby Jesus, and we'll put them back down in the storage. Right? Out of sight. And we will stop celebrating his arrival. That's what happens after Christmas, right? That's okay to put away the nativity scene, okay? I just want to let you know there isn't like no biblical command on whether you do or do not, okay? But here's the thing. You can put away the nativity scene, but I'm telling you something. He's coming back. And Okay, I don't want to freak you out. So I'm like, you mean I'm going to wake up the next morning and the nativity scene is set back up? Now, that would be pretty awesome. Somebody please call me if that happens, okay? I don't mean that. What I mean is this. Jesus, just like Jesus said, I'm ascending into heaven. Boom, he goes, well, but by the way, I will be back, right? Next year, we will pull the nativity. We'll pull Jesus back out, right? But listen, until Jesus descends back to us, or we meet him in the air, or however it's going to be. Until that day happens, the second return, here's the thing. God gave you his spirit. Okay? There's nothing packed away. We might pack away the nativity scene, but I'm telling you what, the spirit is right there with you. God's presence is right there with you. The power of heaven, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God. That's his spirit that has work in you. And what I love about this scripture, worship team, could you please come forward right now? What I love about this scripture is, is this part where it says, while he was blessing them, he left them, he's taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him. Now watch this. They returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. See, the, they saw Jesus take off, but what did you say? But I'm giving you my spirit. So you just keep on praising you keep on celebrating. And they did. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. They went back to the temple like, we're just going to keep celebrating. We know he ascended, but he gave us, he's given us his spirit. We're going to continue to worship him. We're going to continue to everybody. It's going to be okay. Scripture says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Paul wrote that, right? This is the temple now. The spirit is there. You may be struggling with something. You may be challenged with something. Your life may be a little messy. Christmas got maybe a little hectic for you. Maybe you still have a few fears about things that are taking place or coming forward. Let me tell you right now, it will be okay. It will be okay. Because what Jesus promised his disciples, he has promised us. Jesus has prayed for us. God sees us. It'll be okay. We're heading into a new year. It'll be okay. It doesn't matter what you turn on the news. They're going to tell you it's not. Okay? They're, you're always going to hear from the mob. It's not okay. God says, it's going to be okay. I'm choosing truth. I invite you to join me in that truth. Let God's spirit keep working through you. Let him fill you with his love and joy and his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, 
his faithfulness and that self-control. It's him. It's his. He's given to you. Receive it. Would you stand, please? As we begin to put away our Christmas Jesus, uh, let's continue to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. He came to save us, but he's also come to be the Lord of our life. Let's continue to worship our Lord. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, that we can worship you. I thank you, Lord, that we can look at truth. What an incredible day for Peter. Wow. We think we've had long days, long weeks, long years. That one day of his came to an end with him weeping, ready to give up. But I love, I love it, Lord, how when you resurrected, you went right back to to Peter to remind him, it's okay. I'm alive. Now you got a job. Why don't you go tell people that I'm alive? God, you've given us that job. One, to believe in you, to receive and accept this truth, and then to go live it out, to go share the good news. God, thank you for reminding us it's going to be okay. We love you, Lord. In our name we pray. Amen.